Hello, and welcome to No Stairway, a podcast about middle-aged men making mixtapes. In each episode, we take a theme chosen at random, and using the musical knowledge and playlisting skills honed by decades of messing around with C90 tapes instead of meeting girls, we curate playlists for each other and you, the listener, to enjoy. We meet here on the podcast to discuss our selections, rubbish each other's questionable taste, and add tracks to the ever-expanding Golden Shuffle, our attempt to at creating the greatest shuffle list of all time. This is the playlist of the best selections from each episode according to us, the No Stairway crew, and surely better than anything that the whirring machines over at Spotify Towers could come up with. The rules of No Stairway are very simple. Rule number one, all playlists should be of album length. We judge this to be 20 songs or 80 minutes, whichever comes first. Rule number two, no artist can be repeated in a playlist. And rule number three, there is no stairway to heaven. As usual, all three of our playlists for this week are on Spotify, and you can find links in the episode description or on our website at nostairwaypodcast.com. My name is Carl, and I'm a middle-aged man who makes mixtapes. Hello, my name is Bill, and I'm a middle-aged man who last covered Whitney Houston's Run To You in the shower this morning. You wouldn't believe it to look at me, but I have a mean falsetto. Hello, my name is Tim. And I'm a middle-aged man who last covered himself in reggae reggae sauce. Either those bottles have a design flaw or the sauce is too runny. Either way, Levi Roots needs to sort it out. We're back again doing everything the same, but with slight differences in arrangement and instrumentation, as this week we talk about cover versions. Specifically, cover versions that in our humble opinion have exceeded the quality of the originals. Whilst I brace myself for the number of times Bob Dylan is going to get a kick in this week, let's have a rummage through our mail fun bag. Bill, do we have any correspondence to report? Uh, we obviously have our roving reporters, Chob and Dave. Oh, yeah. They supplied us with their space playlists. So Chob started off with The Final Countdown by Europe. Obvious, okay. but a goodie. Yeah, yeah. Rocket, Rocket Man, Elton John. Oh, big, big. In Space by Royksop. Oh, yeah. Nice. That's good, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah it's lyrics. one of those arms where... I think I remember buying it, what, early early 2000s. And I think it just kind of, it went cool and then stopped being cool really quickly, didn't it? Did that yeah. album. Yeah. Um, it was almost like Moby, but in hyperspeed. I remember though, there's a, there's, there's a really good song on that album though, isn't yeah, there? The Royksop's Roy, Roy Big Night Out. Yeah, that's, that's it. Like yeah. A, that's like a banger, isn't it? That's good. That's a good one. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, thank you, Space Expert by Mogwai. Nice one number. Space Oddity, Bowie. So, Vlacky Space Station, Slow Dive. So, Boom. in there with you, Tim. Yeah. But uh, interacted yeah. by the Beastie Boys, um, which I didn't even think of. But I think what usually puts me off with that track is that the album track, there's that little like ad lib rap at the end, which feels like an outtake, but it's left in. And it always kind you of. You could always go with a single edit, couldn't you? You could do... I don't think it exists yeah. on Spotify. I don't know if it mm. does. I think that's always been a drawback. Mm. Uh, Challenger Part 2, which you had as well, Tim. Yeah. yeah. I thought I was the only person in the world that uh, knew that band. I, so. um, yeah, I actually... I listened to that album the other day. I really, did really enjoy it because I hadn't heard it. I really enjoyed Amazing, it. Amazing, isn't it? Yeah. Really yeah. good album. I enjoyed that one a lot. Um, Go, Public Service Broadcasting. You both had that. Um, we both had it, yeah. 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 And then finally, the Moon Song by Karen O, uh, which is yeah. from the soundtrack of Her, the very overrated movie. It is a nice song, though. Mm. It is a nice song. Dave's playlist, Sunshine by John Murphy, which again I didn't know until I clicked play on this. That is a good film, apart from the last half an hour. 
But that is a, that is that is one of the best things about it as well. The score by yes. John Murphy is brilliant. Out of Space, The Prodigy, Sputnik by Public Service Broadcasting, mm. Astronomy, uh, Astronomy Dom- Domain, Domain, Pink Floyd, Domini. Astronomy Domini. Domini. See, Astronomy Domini. I mean, I know we've covered this before, Domine. but Pink Floyd are so pretentious, they can't even come up with song <laughs> titles that you can pronounce. Do you know what I mean? I mean, how pretentious yeah. is that? Because, like, that Astronomy Domini, okay, I get that, but it's not spelled like that, is it? No, it's not. D-O-M-I-N-E. Domine. Dom- Domine. I don't know. I don't know if it's called that. I was just, yeah. you know, uh, maybe. Ticket to the Moon, Electric Light Orchestra. Good album, that, by ELO. It's all about it's all about time travel, though, isn't it? Okay. I used a um, track from that on the time travel. Oh, right. Yes, yes. Sorry, didn't we decide that ELO are the the shit Beatles? The, the, the shit Beatles. Beatles. Yeah, yeah. yeah, that's right. They are good, though. They are good. <laughs> We've got a couple of numbers. Yeah, they do. So uh, yeah, Sam Garden, and then Supermassive Black Hole by Muse. Oh yeah. Muse, I just can't. I just never got it. I never did. Just not my the first. Opinion. The first album was so good. I remember. I remember seeing Muse before the album was released on the evening session. Okay, tour. yeah. And they were unbelievable. Like as a, as a live band on a tiny stage, they were they just they were like nothing you'd ever heard before. Yeah, and I think that was the thing they they did. They created something so good for that first that first collection of songs. Actually, they were just trying to recapture that magic forevermore. And it all just blurs into one for me. It's funny because um, I've been on holiday a few times. Like, where I regularly go on holiday is near where they're from. Like, Foy in Cornwall. Um, yeah. And we go camping there. And so we walk down into Foy. And it's the tweeest little harbour place. It's like, it's where Daphne de Maurier's from as well. And so you walk in, it's just like, you know, there's a fudge shop. There's two tiny little pubs. You know, there's, you know, a walking tour that, you know, they'll tell you all about the Pirate Cove and all that sort of gubbins. It's, you know, it's Cornwall. And you just think, how did, M- like, Muse were in one of these pubs, absolutely blowing the windows out. Do you know what I mean? It must have been the weirdest <laughs> night out that anybody's... You sat there in the corner doing your knitting with a pint of, or maybe a half a bitter, and they come and just blow your socks off. I just It doesn't make any sense that they're from there. But it is quite a posh place, I guess, so they are quite yeah, posh. You went to St. Hostel. Right. Right. Well, it is. It is. It's just across the bay. <laughs> I've just got the idea of the wicker man in one corner <laughs> and Muse in the just, other. That, just... that, that's what, whenever I'm sat there in one of those pubs, um, pre-COVID, I guess, um, I always think, do you think Muse would just like, like by that side of the bar, just like, you could get a drum kit there, so I bet they have, but it just must be the loudest thing. Okay, so we're on to this week's episode of covers that are better than the original. I really enjoyed this dive into a variety of genres and musics. And I found it, it was really similar to the episode that we did on B-sides that were better than the A-sides, where you had to qualify it. It was a bit of a, a double listen sometimes. Um but I did, I did enjoy the the escapade, the the runaround that it gave me. And I think by the end of it, I just got so frustrated that I ended up just deleting loads of tracks and just starting from square one again, because I, I then convinced myself that I'd 
just picked a load of dross and the originals were way better <laughs> and just completely undermined myself and started again. Yeah, I think I deleted a good half of it at one point and just and repopulated. Carl, you're nodding away. Did you have a similar problem? Yeah, I drove myself mad with this. I, uh, uh, I had a very similar experience. I think I had about five sleepless nights where I was just... I think that the list... Because <laughs> normally I, I, I build up quite a long, long list, you know, that can stretch for several hours. But I think it was something like nine and a half hours, this one. It was just like almost every song I know was on this list and it was like chopping it down. I was just going... I was going potty think, by the end. I think you had a... I think you had a rule as well at one point. I had a rule. I, think I spotted a rule yeah. at one point. I, it, yeah, it got yeah. partially it, abandoned. It, it does survive as a fragment, but I was I was trying. I think there's a couple of fragments of that rule. Yeah, there, I think there are. Yeah, yes. I picked up on potential yeah, rule. Yeah, yeah. You were really close at one point. You were really. Close. Yeah, I was trying my hardest, I but I just couldn't. I couldn't get it to stick. But I'll, I'll go. I'll yeah. go through it when my time comes. But it was. Uh, yeah. Yeah. It was it was harsh this one I thought but um, but uh, terrific fun I mean th- this this was white hot playlisting wasn't it this this was the Ooh, uh, yeah. this is this requires a lot of work I think um, yeah uh, because like you say it's, it's a double listener uh, for a start because you've got to compare with things that aren't on the list um, but but also you know that I mean some of the judgment calls you've got to make the heartbreaking you know it's um, yeah, yeah. It's a doozy. But then there's some others when when you dig in and go, oh, they've done a cover version of that. And you press play and go, this is just genius. But then you're convinced that it's genius. Uh, but then you just get worried if are you guys thinking the same thing I am. You you <laughs> almost start double double guessing. Oh, Tim, you're up first. Show us where, where you're up to. Show us what you've got. So for mine, it was just basically like a list in my head of the usual sort of suspects. Um, so a couple of those made made it onto that. There's, with a little help from my friends, you know, just like to clear the air, you're both probably mad for not including that on there. I don't know is, why it didn't even pop into my brain, but you're not... It yeah, is I, the greatest cover of all time. Oof. Then there was, there was Valerie by... Um, the the shit scouse band the Zootons and Amy Winehouse's last good song that she recorded I think it was the last sort of like credible sort of thing that she actually recorded probably so then we've got Heartbeats which uh, I know you had you know they, they, yeah, these yeah. these ones that I could think of and obviously Respect by Aretha Franklin, yeah. which yeah, which Bill too, had, yeah. which is probably you know one of the greatest covers of all time in the sense that you don't even you know you don't even think about the fact that it's a cover. No, no. Like you, you listen you to Otis so, Redding's so-called original version, it sounds yeah, shite. No, her, you think hers, it's an afterthought. Like, hers is definitive. A great cover is when you when you only know the definitive version mm. of that track yeah. and. You know, that's it. So that's one of them then. Then there was sort of like other ways that I was looking into things and did a bit of research, you know, on the internet looking for some songs. So the first track is The First Time Ever I Saw Your Face by Roberta Flack, Mm. which is a a beautiful track. It's from a British act, actually, the original 1957 folk song um, by Ewan McCall... Uh, sung by Peggy Seeger. Yeah. Oh wow. Yeah. My, my dad um, uh, booked them for the um, for the for, for Bradford Folk Club for 
in the, probably really? around that same time. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, it's rubbish. Absolutely rubbish mm-hmm. when you listen to it compared to you know Roberta Flack because obviously she's a fantastic singer. No, you no wouldn't even put that to... down as being a folky piece. It feels like no. that kind of uh, no. soul number, doesn't soul it? Soul ballad, yeah. Mm. Yeah. So no, no disrespect to Peggy Seeger at all, but I think the um, the you and you know the the arrangement is perhaps more a little bit more bluesy in their version. Um, but uh, yeah, it's just you know it's again it's one of those that's the definitive version, isn't it? Yeah. So, yeah. Sort of like that. That's the only reason why people know it nowadays. Uh, Black Betty. Uh, by Ram Jam is, you know, the one that it is a similar sort of thing. It's the one that comes to my mind when I think of Black Betty. Obviously, it's originally, is it originally Lead yeah, Belly? The first, apparently, the first original record of it was 1939. But apparently, it's it's even yeah. older than that, apparently. It's, it yeah, predates. It's, an, it's, it's, a, it's a super old Yeah, it old goes song. into uh, American but folk, yeah. I think Lead Belly's version is just... You know, that's that's the one that I know, the earliest one that I know, which is just basically him singing and hitting his knee. You know, it's as simple yeah. as it can get. And a, a, a mile away from, you know, Ram Jam's sort of like great big rock number. Um, similarly, another Lead Belly track was Where Did You Sleep Last Night? Kurt Cobain's version. And I was listening to this recently. It just, it's just, there's so much sort of like, kind of emotion in Kurt Cobain's voice mm. there and you've got the and you've got the cello in the background it's be- it's 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 you know it's depressing but it's beautiful at the same time it's one of those tracks feels like there's a con- a true connection to it and I think that's probably mm. what yeah. that's what a lot of these covers did where because it it got into a bit of a different direction I think it was the same with all three of our lists because it it got into a different direction the performer connects with it in a completely different way one of carl's tracks just reduces me to tears every time so just the singer i'll come on to it later but the singer just gives it such resonance that i just connect with it just probably far too much than i should do but i think that's what really sells it you can feel the love can't you You can feel it when when you know they love the song so much you can't help but sort of appreciate that i think you you definitely get that through the um the kurt cobain kurt cobain version of that that track. Mm, no, definitely. And then there was uh, Proud Mary, which is obviously a cover of Creedence Clearwater Revival. Um, Ike and Tina Turner's version is definitive again. You know, yeah, yeah. Again, sort of so Flim by Aphex Twin, cover by The Bad Plus. It's difficult to sort of separate the two apart. But the only reason why I put that on there and why I think that it's better is because it's a man playing the drums mm. rather than it being programmed on set. And, and I think for that sole reason, it's it's a better version just because, you know, a man is basically playing drums like Aphex Twin. Mm. And I've and I've I've seen I've seen the Bad Plus player that live and he's only got a snare, a, a you know, bass and hi hat. You know he's got, he's only got like four drums that he plays, and it's just amazing that he can make all those sounds. And then there's it. It must be loved by Madness, which I'm, I imagine might be contentious because obviously it's a cover of uh, yours and Bill's favourite finds, mm. Mr. Labby Sifri. Yeah. 
That'd be. But I do think that that's better. Maybe a lesser known sort of cover is Break My Body by Hannah Huckleberg, which, um, you know, no one's checked her out. She's a, she's really good. Uh, Norwegian singer, songwriter. But that's a Pixies cover mm. and it just slows everything down and completely sort of like changes the meaning of, the, of what is really a sort of like um, quite a dark song. Um, and then there was a couple of extra ones, like the Gimme Shelter, the Mary Clayton was just basically, I was looking for a Rolling Stones song because that's my favourite Rolling Stones song, I would think, Gimme Shelter. So I was trying to find something that was better. I don't know if I have, you know, I'll hold, I'll hold my hands up there. That's a maybe. Uh, but I bet you look good on the dance floor by Baby Charles is so much better than the... the um, Arctic Monkeys version. Agreed. Definitely. It's just completely different. Um, and then, yeah, Heartbeats, we talk about that. That's obviously, you know, you're taking something, you know, you're making this beautiful little arpeggiated um, sort of ballad out of something that's quite big and noisy and electronic in the original. You know, the Knife's version of, of Heartbeats is... It, uh, very abrasive and that version is just so smooth and and, mm. and beautiful jaws a cover of the jaws theme by lalo schreifrin that's one of carl's favorites actually i found that and just immediately started taking stuff out to be able to fit it in because it was just it was like where has this song been all my life it's it's amazing and then there's uh world in action from matt berry's album of um tv themes uh and then finally a change is going to come by otis redding um and i think i have mentioned it before in the sense that the the reason i think that's better is it's probably more sort of um it's less optimistic than sam cook's version i think the way that otis redding is singing it he doesn't actually quite believe that a change is going to come yeah and mm. you know at the end of the day you know and Ch we're still change didn't come sort of like change hasn't no. come it's not there yet um, so basically, that was it. I quite enjoyed putting it together. It was good. it was good. I probably didn't do as much research, looking into things as as you guys did. I you know had the courage of my convictions. I knew that I was right, so I just did it. <laughs> um, so there's that there, and there's a couple, there's another one. My absolute favourite track that I found on there is Leanne Lahavas. Weird Fishes, um, Weird Fishes, Arpeggi is one of my favourite songs off the In Rainbows album. And I heard that and I was just like, oh my God, that is amazing. And what I wanted to do originally, there's also a cover version by Kelly Lee Owens, an electronic producer called Arpeggi. So I was going to try and get Weird Fishes and Arpeggi in together so that it made up the whole title, but it just they didn't they didn't fit. So, but that would have been a nice thing if I could have got that to to work. But unfortunately. No.
Carl, what did you think? Um, yeah, I really liked it. I think this has got some of my favourite cover versions of all time on. Um, I think I, I, I can Tina Turner. Is it the Whitney. The Whitney's great. The Whitney? I, I think I think the, the Whitney does a similar thing to uh, Joe Cocker or I can Tina Turner or Jimi Hendrix or even the Nirvana, where they take a song and they make it like we said. They make the definitive version. There is no other version of um, "I Will Always Love You." It's the Whitney no. version, you know. I mean, everybody, mm-hmm. even, even now, the original, that's just like a, a crummy copy, right? Because it's not, yeah. it's not the version that the, that anyone who's thinking about that song is thinking of anymore. And I think that the same is true of um, Ike and Tina Turner and, and Jimi Hendrix. The same, I mean, for Joe Cocker to do that to um, to the Beatles um, is crazy, right? Who would take a Beatles song? It is a Beatles song, right? Well, it is sung by Ringo, though. Isn't yeah, it? but still, so I mean, it's still a Beatles song. Um, okay, it's not it's not a McCartney number, fine, but you know to take a Beatles song and then say, do you know what? I'm just going to own this for all time, <laughs> so you won't get near it again. Well, Paul McCartney actually, you know, owned up, didn't he? When he he heard Joe Cocker's version, he was like, yeah, you know, that, thanks. That's how it should have been, yeah. But what's the chops who wrote "I Will Always Love You"? What's her face? Uh, I see her face. Dolly Parton. Dolly Parton. Dolly. Yeah, Dolly Parton, who wrote that originally, she she loves the Whitney Houston version, if only just because of all the money it made her. But she she even oh. says that it's way better as well. Yeah. Well, there is that because you can't you, you can't, and I think I think what you've got is is an example with Joe Cocker and um, and Whitney Houston. There is you know, Paul McCartney and Dolly Parton, first and foremost, they're songwriters, aren't they? Yeah. So that's that's their skill. Joe Cocker and Whitney Houston are just, they don't write songs, they're singers, yeah. you know. So all they need to do Joe is Joe Cocker can sing? Sing their ass off. Of course he can. <laughs> um, but yeah, so I, I, really, I really liked all those. Um, the more interesting things, I mean, because they're, like you say, you know, off the top of your head, they are uh, like cover versions that are much, much better than the original, I think. And of like, sort of, I mean, yeah. this whole list could be like definitive versions for me. This could be like, you know, with the Roberta Flack and the Ram Jam. I mean, I think Leanne Le Havis does a much better job of Weird Fishes than, than um, Radiohead do. But obviously she's not, yeah. she's not as famous. So I, I don't think you could say that that's definitive. But, you know, well, time might prove you're right on that one um and you know no one's going to argue that um it must be love you know isn't a madness song you know it's a madness song now so they own that now so that's fine um but yeah but the interesting things to me like you say like the baby charles um i thought that was absolutely brilliant i love that um an interesting one for me was um heartbeats so i know that song because i think it's on every advert for everything like when it plays now i just think of like credit cards, mobile phones, cars, maybe hybrid cars. I don't, I don't know. Those kinds. It, it was on an Apple advert, wasn't it? Right. No, it was Sony Bravia. Okay. Was it? Okay. It was the bouncy balls going down the. Uh, that's right. San Francisco that's right. Street. Okay, so I'm thinking of that when it's going on, and that's all I know it from. Um, I don't know what I was mm-hmm. doing when the original came out, but I have no idea. So I went and listened to the original for the first time this week. Um having never heard it before and I think the original is so much better <laughs> you know because to me it was like a really dirgy heavy cover of that twee bouncy ball song that was advertising Sony Bravio <laughs> which I thought was genius but of course that's not the way 
it actually went down. So uh, it's just interesting when you hear things the wrong way around. Maybe I don't know. After after so so many years being entrenched with it that way around. Yeah, it is a great song though. Yeah, yeah, it's a good song. Nice version is a great song, but I just think there's something about the whole texture of um, you know Jose Gonzalez's version of it. Yeah, the you guitar know, performance is beautiful. I think yeah. it's wonderful. Yeah, and you know, it's it's beautiful, it's understated, whereas the nice version is big, it's brash, you know, and you know, the singing is quite similar as well, isn't it? Yeah. You know, it's it, it it's 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 a bit raucous. And I think um I think that's why I probably like that one more. Mm. And and I probably heard that one first as well. Mm. Yeah, I definitely yeah I definitely did. I think also it's it's and I I said about uh, songs anyway, just in general. If it's a really well written song, it'll sound really good in whatever style you give it to. Yeah. So so the um, for example um, the Labisifre version, the original. It's perfectly nice, but the Madness version sounds really good. Yeah, I don't like Madness, but I like Labisifera. But they, but both versions work. It's just a well-written song. Yeah, it's a well-written they, they song. Never really it? changed it. It's just got a fuller arrangement. There's nothing really extra happened to it. It's exactly. That's it. It's pretty much in the same tempo. It's the same chord changes. It's in the same key. Mm. But um, Suggs is a bit of a prick, isn't he? Like always seems yeah. to be yeah. a bit of a knobhead. Um, I saw him once on the street. And um, normally I regret having spoke, you know, I never speak to famous people because I get starstruck when I see them. And I normally really regret it. Like one time I saw Andy Circus, and um, in London on the street and I was like, oh, and there was a time I saw Dylan Moran on the street in Edinburgh and I was like, oh, I should have, I always think oh, I should have just said hello or I really like your stuff. But I saw Suggs and he walked past and I just thought, yeah, fuck that guy. Never, never regretted it. <laughs> Just carried on walking. <laughs> Never regretted going up to him. But yeah, the Jaws was really interesting as well. Although obviously that's barking mad, because you know the the Jaws, yes, correct? The Jaws theme, uh, like at least as far as I can remember it, is is two notes, and and this has a lot more than two notes in it. This has got it's got all, all the, notes. the notes right. It's got you know yeah. um, <laughs> all fifty two of them. So um, they, they, I think they were playing fast and loose. I mean. When is a cover no longer a cover, right? When you turn it into something completely new. I thought that was, that was, um, yeah, they were put, pushing it there with. I'm not going to take away from that flute, that jazz flute solo, because yeah. it's absolutely flaming hot. Yeah. It's an but arrangement, isn't it? It, it is it, there. You just have to listen to it. You know, there's, there's the, there's the sweeps and the, and, and the, but it's that bass line all the way through. It's just so, so good. So I solid. Think it, ta- it takes a piece of music which is, designed and completely written for ultimate tension and horror and it just ends up being just a fun time yeah it's a fun it's time fun exactly yeah. a fun it's a dance. fun yeah. track yeah <laughs> i thought the, the same with uh, world in action which that was probably my favorite track on the entire list just because i think i have fun nostalgic uh, feelings about da-da-da! you know when, when when you hear that at the beginning of world in action when you're a kid um, and now having this sort of, um, I don't know if the rest of the, was the rest of the theme for uh, World in Action that funky? Or is that just come, just him wigging out? I just can't remember. But e- e- either way, it's, um, it's fantastic. 
but yeah, I'm glad he, uh, like all the instrumentation stops when the organ does the, mm. I think that was important, but yeah, no, that was, that was fantastic. So yeah, yeah, I really enjoyed. Yeah, but much the same, actually. It was, for example, like Roberta Flack, you can't, you can't stop but pause, all right? You just got to pause and listen to that, and it's just so beautiful. You, you could even swear it's a cappella sometimes just because you've just got the really light accompaniment. Yeah. Just so light that actually it almost just fades into just just giving it atmosphere because her voice is just so beautiful. Um, the Leon Le Havas, it's a solid call because I love Leon Le Havas. Uh, and the al- that album that it's from is really good. I think it was a brave move to put a Radiohead cover mm. on the, I think it's slap bang in the middle of the album. But then it's a great cover because I always feel like that Radiohead song, the the original tempo just kind of tramples over the vocals. It just feels like it loses a bit of soul. Whereas the, in that performance, she's just pulled that tempo back and it just feels like the, it's got a bit more meaning to it. It was a solid call to him. I, I actually totally agree. Um, yes. Did it? Yeah, yeah. Uh, the only reason why I didn't use the Amy Winehouse, Mark Ronson, um, is because... Amy Winehouse is better than that. And I think that's just probably my only problem. Well, you mean it. she's a better songwriter than that song? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And I, I've yeah, just got but... a thing about Mark Ronson. I just think he's a little bit... A bit of a Suggs. A bit of a Suggs. He's a bit, a bit of a Suggs. Yeah. Although, yeah, he I'm not, he's written some great, so a couple of really good songs. Oh, he's a talented he just guy. Comes acro- yeah, he just comes across as being a bit of a Suggs. Yeah. Mm. Um, and... But, but it is better than that. the Zootons version. But it smiles and, better than the Zootons. Yeah. You know, it's the only reason that guy's making any money anymore, isn't it? <laughs> that, that, yeah, more than likely, yeah. Yeah. Proud you know, Mary. Spent, spent, he's, you know, spending it all in on, down Penny Lane. Um, Proud Mary. That counter melody, that counter melody that's been sung uh, just as, as Tina's just riffing right at the very beginning. And it's just, Ooh. it's almost about... No, but it's even before that. There's a bit where it's almost spoken. It's so low. Mm. And then it goes into the rolling. But there's a couple of lines just before. And you just, you almost miss it because it's so beautifully produced. It's so good. That's all Ike, um, that. Ike was uh, on, on the controls, you, so, you know. Yeah, I've literally put, yeah. we're defo separating art from the artist. Yeah, yeah, because he's a monster. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> there's no one going to argue against he's that. He's a total yeah. monster. Yeah. Um, yeah. Hell of a bass player, though. Hell of a bass player, yeah. I liked Flynn. Um, I totally forgot about Hanny Huckleberg. I remember really enjoying an album of hers about, I don't know, 15 years ago. Yeah. And I just probably haven't revisited it. I'd know I, I haven't. Debut so think... album. Yeah, it was re... I remember really enjoying that when that came out. Um, I love this soul overdrive of Gimme Shelter with all the extra horns. That It's as if they've just thrown... A... They've listed the original and went, nah, we've got a better band, so let's just go with Yeah, that. it's okay. miles better. I would say it's miles better. If you're on the fence, yeah. Tim, I would say absolutely not. It's miles better than the original. It's, it's, it's only because I like the, the, the Rolling Stones version more. Uh, not more. I've always liked that. Yeah. That's one of my favourite yeah. Stones tracks. And I think it's because it's it's a good song, isn't yeah. it, basically? But, yeah, there's probably loads of versions better than the Rolling Stones version, but, yeah, you know. You just yeah, gotta find them. Yeah, that 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 soul, the soul horns that are just they just build up and build up and build up. It's really, really well uh, 
but we've always said, we said very early on in in season one that we're not the biggest Stones fans. We we between us, we think there's probably five or six, maybe eight good songs, and then you could probably just leave the rest. Yeah. We said that really early on. There are some really good performances of mediocre songs. I think when um, hmm. when Mick Jagger was performing, you know, when he was almost acting the song. When he doesn't look like an accordion. Yeah. Um, and, I, and I think, you know, um, uh, Keith Richards is um, a really excellent uh, guitar player and, and writes really excellent guitar parts. And so that can always save a mediocre song. But I think they have lots of mediocre songs that need saving through mm. one of those mm. two avenues, you know. Well, you just have to look at the fact that, you know, when was the last time they had a, you know, you could na name a good song by them? You know, 80s, maybe? Maybe. You know, they, they keep chucking out albums. Couldn't name I know they're old, old, but, no. you know, couldn't, name, couldn't name a single they've, one. They've had you? hits, and they... Um, Start Me Up was Start a hit in the 90s. <laughs> I think we say that identically, yeah. yeah. But that was on because of Windows 95, too. Well, that's true, actually, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Mm. Um, now, I enjoy some Arctic Monkeys, I'll I'll say it, I do. Yeah. I think... It's a bold I claim. Think, yeah, yeah. I think he's also a very good songwriter. Mm -hmm. But this version is fucking awesome. Yeah. Brilliant, isn't yeah, it? Really good. Right? But I think it's a good song anyway, so it's just... It's just been amped up, moved to another genre, and it still worked mm -hmm. really well. Yeah. It's just a really well-written song. Um, yeah, I did enjoy it. It was a really good flow. Um, tracks where I either didn't know it was a cover or totally agreed that it was a cover. It was, it was a good, solid list. You can't go wrong with it. Right, my list. Let's get started. Straight out with respect, open it up. Aretha nails it to the floor, no problem. I then go into the Bobby Warmack version of California Dreaming. I had Bobby Warmack on a number of different songs, and I had to kind of wheedle it down. Uh, his version of Fly Me to the Moon, for example, is fucking brilliant. Yeah. It's brilliant. I love it. And then I ended up on a bit, bit of a rabbit hole of songs that people did better than Frank Sinatra. I went down that route for a while. And there's a few remnants of that in this list. The Mamas and the Papas version of California Dreaming is shite. Mm. Warmack did it way better. Mm -hmm. um, my first use of, of The Boss, of Bruce Springsteen, Because the Night, way better than Patti Smith's song. After Carl introducing me to Bill Fay, I found that he'd covered um, one of my... To be honest... It's probably my favourite Wilco track. I'm not a massive fan of Wilco. I think they've got a lot of material of which I will happily not hear. But there's uh, this particular album, which is... Oh, it's it's got a funny old name, like Omega Alpha Papa or something like that. I can see the... Alpha, see the Whiskey, album. Foxtrot, something. Or Some, something hotel. Like that. Yeah, it's, is there a hotel? Hotel Charlie... Hotel Rick. Charlie Fox... Hotel Whiskey. I think I think we're just doing the we're doing that whole uh, police alphabet, and I don't think we'll ever get the Alpha Omega uh, Whiskey Alpha November uh, Kilo. We'll call it Whiskey that. Hotel Charlie. Whiskey, okay, whichever. Um, and Charlie I think, Whiskey Hotel. Who knows? I think we could be for ages. Come on, Wilco Hotel. 
Hotel. Hold on. Yankee Hotel Foxtrot. Yankee Hotel Foxtrot. There yeah. we go. Thanks, Carl. Um, um, and I think Jesus Etc. Is, is one of my favourite songs. I think it's a wonderful song. But Bill Fay just gave it just something else. He just stripped it back, just him and a piano. And the way that he always sounds heartbroken, I think he just gave it that, just that layer where you just totally believed in that it was just his. Um, Grace Jones. I think this is the first time we have Grace Jones in the show. Um, it might be the only, and I don't give a shit because this is a total fucking banger. <laughs> Whoever thought putting the Casio beat onto Bossa Nova. I was going to say it's a Casio, that, isn't it? Yeah, I remember yeah, that from school. We're in a Claves player for seven and a half minutes and she's just going for it. Oh, my God, it's beautiful. Um, and you might call me a monster. I'll hold my hands up. But just that whole arrangement is just outrageous and I love it. Phoebe Bridges, um, the big reason why I put this on is simply because I can understand what the fuck she's saying. Because on the Tom, Ver Tom Waits version, it gets a little bit... You have to really, really listen very difficult. It's a difficult one. Um, yeah, but that's a difficult album, isn't that's it? That's true. It's, real yeah. gone. it's probably one of the most audible <laughs> songs off the album as well. Yeah, and that, yeah, 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 exactly. So Phoebe Bridges just gives it a little bit of life because you, first of all, there's more of a connection because you, you can hear the story completely. And it's a beautiful song anyway. Um, now... This one, MacArthur Park. Um, I kind of went on, I, I was going to use it on another playlist, the, the original, the Richard Harris one. I had it dug away for some reason. Uh, the actor. Hangover playlist. Oh, I can't remember why. I can't remember why I had it. But anyway. Um, he was always hungover, wasn't he? And I always, oh yeah. And he wanted, apparently, he wanted to record an album after he'd done Excalibur. He wanted, which apparently he he sang some songs for in the movie. Um, he wanted to do um, a full album, so he got um, Webb, Jimmy Webb, uh, to kind of start putting together songs for him. And Jim, he said, "No, they're not. They're not big enough." Jimmy Webb then went off and just sat in his local park, MacArthur Park, and just watched people just about their day. Because the lyrics on this just make zero sense. It's about a cake going cold and it just gets left out in the rain. And there's some guys playing chess and all the rest. And actually, as, as you think about it, it's like, okay, I can see all those things happening in, a, in the weirdest park, smackhead park ever. But then, and Harris just went, yeah, that's fucking brilliant. Let's go and do it. A few years later, um, Giorgio Moroder and Donna Summer were trying to put together a, a new song. They heard this and said, this is it. This is the one. So Moroder, you, you hear those um, almost uh, synth chords that are being sung in the background. That's Giorgio singing all the chords. He'd sampled himself and laid them up as chords. And it's just this wild disco number. Absolutely wild. I think it's brilliant. Um, you know, four to the floor, disco drums, does everything that disco needs. And it's MacArthur fucking Park. I, th I think the greatest thing about that song is it, it is a song. I mean, I thought it was a metaphorical cake, 
Uh, no, it but it's not. Isn't. It's That's a, what I thought. It's someone having That's a nervous breakdown because the cake gets ruined and they can't remember yeah. how to make it again. <laughs> can't remember how to make it, and it's, it's just that it's, there's not there's nothing poetic about it. It's no. literally what he saw happened in his damn part. That's it, and and then I mean, especially Donna Summer when she starts screaming <laughs> that she's never going to have the recipe again. <laughs> no, and you believe her. Yeah, you absolutely believe her. Um, so where are we up to? Sending the clowns. Sinatra just sells this. I because this is a um a Sondine piece, part of a, a, a musical a musical theatre piece where I think Sinatra just he sells it just as a standalone song. I think it's beautiful. Um Hendrix, if we didn't have this on, we'd be probably locked up. Um Changes, I think it's way nicer than the Black Sabbath version. Those soul again, soul horns. It just brings a number together. Budos um, band. Mm, yeah. yeah, finally, finally able to feature the Budos band. Mm. Second time. Second time. Uh, um, but we couldn't, we couldn't, um, uh, we, we weren't, if you remember, the Budos band weren't uh, eligible for the Golden Shuffle because you put that tiny little snippet of the greatest song yes. ever on. And both Bill and I wanted to put them on. But because it was literally, what was it, 15 seconds, seconds or something? Seconds. Yeah. 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 But, so, it but it was, should have been four or five minutes. If it was four minutes, that would have been on the Golden Shuffle. Well, don't don't, this, don't I'm blame just, me, this, blame the Boondoss band. Yeah, I'm just saying That's this is they... eligible and the other one wasn't just because it was barely a song. <laughs> it's like somebody's holding on to this one more than I am. <laughs> um, Jeff Buckley retelling The Smiths. Beautiful, gorgeous. That's just on for Tim Bait, though, right? That's just, uh, no, I just think Jeff Buckley does a good number. I think he does a good vote. I think it's a really nice version. Um, and a little bit to bed, Tim. It winds up, Tim. Um, I know I've used Hurt before, but I couldn't avoid it. Um, Peter Gabriel. Yeah, that's one That's one of the obvious ones as well, isn't it? Yes, I think that was one. on mine. Yeah. Peter Gabriel doing Arcade Fire. Just works. Just in fact, that whole Gabriel album is all covers, and it's just him, obviously having another nervous breakdown, thinking he's written these songs with, a, and he's just sat there with a the piano, and sometimes there's a few other instruments, and he's going, "Yeah, I've I've written these. These are my fucking songs," and he just he, yeah, sure, he totally redoes them, and he does a good job, and I think that song by Arcade Fire is fantastic, but I think Peter Gabriel just make something brand new the next one obviously this is part of uh the remnants of my frank sinatra song people that did frank sinatra better than frank sinatra um when you've got my way sung in such a beautiful way by nina simone with that conga playing going hell for leather for the entire duration and that conga player does not stop they must have just play it leather for hands it's beautiful. And that number, it feels like her number. But she was a musical genius anyway. She was just incredible. Um, beautiful arrangement. And then finish off with Nirvana. But again, I just stuck it on the end. Obvious, obvious going to be a winner, but it's got the applause at the end and you've got a lot of other bits and pieces. So it kind of felt like it would be disjointed. I used it in other places in the playlist. It just didn't flow for me. Um, so there were just some little bits where there were things that I didn't know existed and I just enjoyed doing it, that little digging. It was lots of fun. I really enjoyed it. 
Tim, what did you think? Well, I'll start off with the maybe obvious elephant in the room here, Bill. Um, you only had 16 songs. Yeah. But you had six minutes to spare. Did you get bored? No, no. It was simply because I had one of the songs and uh, right down to the wire, I decided it was shit. And I just deleted it. And I didn't have enough, which were up to the quality. And I just jumped ship and just went with my gut and just went, I would rather have that amount of quality rather than sticking something which I didn't think fit. Fair enough. But, you know, it's it's like... A bit of a rip-off. So be it. Live by the sword, die by the sword. You could have had two or three more tracks I, there. To be honest, as soon... Yeah. I could have, well, one more I would have put... Uh, spoiler alert, from Carl's list, I would have put Tiny Dancer on. That's my big regret. That's the big regret. Mm. Yeah. Fair enough. Anyway, um, so obviously we had a bit of crossover in our our list. Quite a the lot. Nirvana Quite a and lot, the Heartbeats. Yeah. Aretha, of course. I almost, I had in my long list Le Vion Rose. Mm. And I... You don't like it, you just No, I do. I love that. I love that track. Number one, one of the problems is obviously it's quite long, but I wasn't a hundred percent sure that it was better. I think when when you're thinking of definitive versions, you're gonna think of Edith Piaf's version, aren't you? So that's the reason why I didn't go along with that. But you liked it. I, I did like it. I did like it. It was. It was. It, well, I was going to put it on myself. You know, it's. It. it I, I love Grace Jones. Grace Jones is amazing. You know, um, also speaks fluent fluent French as well. You know, I think her first language is French. I believe. Well, I don't know about that. I don't think so. She's Jamaican. I would imagine it's English. I thought I didn't think so. Is she Jamaican? Yeah, Jamaican. I don't. Okay. Yeah. Stay tuned for another episode of Man Googles Things on Phone. I thought her first language was French. No. She lived in Paris for a long time when she right, was okay. a, when she was a um, a model. A, a model, mm-hmm. which is where she learned French. Right. She is yes, Jamaican. Born in Spanish Town, Jamaica. All right. Um, there you go. But there is no no confirmation on the on her mother tongue. Okay. We don't know. I stand we don't correct. Know. But yeah, definitely Jamaican. That's confirmed. Definitely Jamaican. So the ones that I like, I obviously loved the Bobby Womack. I think I think you're right. Mm-hmm. You know, obviously the one that's known is the Smooth FM favourite uh, by the Mamas and the Papas. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, that Bobby Womack version is much better. I enjoyed the Bill Fay. You know, I'm, I've never heard that song before. I'm not a big Wilco fan. I enjoyed the B- Bill Fate. And then I went and listened to the Wilco one, and I like that one as well. Mm. So I can't really judge which is better, because I'm hearing them both for the first time. Yeah, yeah. But, um, you know, that's a, that's a you know, it's a great song. The Phoebe Bridges, I really enjoyed it. It would be a better cover for me. It would be better than the original. I'll just say that. Yeah. Um, if it wasn't for the fact that Marcus Mumford from Mumford and Sons sings on it in in does backing vocals, and I think that spoils it for me. So um, I didn't even you know, pay that much attention to that level. I'll well, there you go. You know, if you did your research, Bill, I'm sure that wouldn't have made it on. Isn't he 
he wasn't the horrendous racist in the no he's he's he, no he just he just spent a lot of his time with a horrendous racist he's racist his, his mates with racists. Okay. So, um, and then, you know, rather than defend his racist mates, he sacked them, you know, despite the fact that he's probably a racist himself. You know, I, and I really love that version of, um, I, I really love Tom Waits' version of that song. You know, obviously, it's it's amazing. But it is nice to hear um, the lyrics, which I never, never nice heard before. <laughs> You're just not listening. Hard no, enough. that's true. That's true. That's what it is. MacArthur Park, you, you know, like you say, it's it's a great song. It's a like fantastic um, version of that great little disco number. The Frank Sinatra. I, I don't know if I've ever heard that version. I obviously didn't know that it was a Sondheim uh, mm. musical. Um, it's from. Um, a little night music, which is a not not a musical that I'm sort of familiar with. He's got so many though. It's he uh, has got so many. Yeah, yeah. Apparently, apparently, it was based on a um, Ingmar Bergman film. Oh, right. um, okay. Yeah. So you know, little little uh, little sort of factoid for everybody. But the thing that the thing that I <laughs> sort of struggle to get from that is. What is the original? Like yeah. how how do you know for sure? Well, I, I went that Frank Sinatra's version is better than the original. Yes. You know, to be honest, he's got about four or five anyway. He bloody loved the song. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. But I I think I deemed it, I looked at a few cast recordings, so looked at it in context with within the musical theatre piece, and then as it a standalone piece sung by Sinatra and I just so you're judging the theatrical piece rather than the first cast recording or something like yeah, that yeah or... a cast recording I can't remember which particular one yeah I was using. okay well fair all right fair enough that's all right but it, you know you know what I mean sort of like with those sort of things it's quite difficult to actually yeah. sort of like pin down where the where the original sort of comes from um Changes, I mean, it isn't the definitive version of that song. Obviously, the definitive version is um, Ozzy Osbourne and Kelly Osbourne's <laughs> version. You know, so why, why, didn't, why didn't you put that one on? It, it was nice to see the Screaming Eagle uh, sort of like try and top that at least. The, the Jeff Buckley was a lovely song until I realised that it was a Smith song. <laughs> and then all I could hear was Morris's voice. I just kept, he just kept coming in. Like, the, the, I'm listening to Jeff Buckley sing it, and then I'm like, some sort of, like, nightmare part of my brain is bringing the Morrissey sort of, like, overdubbing onto um onto onto the song so i can't i can't listen that 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 was that was a that was that was awful i think i know what you're saying purely there, Tim. Because, i think purely because of my subconscious i think what you're saying is that um morris's lyrics are so good um that you can't differentiate 
between his voice saying them and someone else saying them because so in, intertwined are his voice and his lyricism that, that once you hear the words, you just hear it in his voice. I would agree with See, that, that he's, he's such a unique lyricist. No. See, my problem now is between Tim's subconscious and Carl's commute to work, me creating a fucking decent playlist is <laughs> nigh on impossible. <laughs> this is it you know you've got that to sort of like contend with um it was even it was even like when you put the this the, the instrumental smith's track on oh, yeah. i loved it one. i thought it was great but then i just remembered that johnny Marr was in the band with um morrissey and i you know in <laughs> instantly threw up in your mouth I couldn't enjoy it anymore. A little bit of sick However, just came up, went like Before that. you realised it was the Smiths, yeah, you did enjoy this song that was taken from somewhere else that Jeff Buckley performed. You enjoyed all that bit. Um, well... That's what he said, Carl, yeah? Yeah. That's what he said. You did say yeah. that, I mean... He did say Well, that. I suppose, but it, it was only it was well, only until I realised that. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah but I yeah, liked it <laughs> I'll put it out there. It's a way better version. The, <laughs> the original's lovely, but Jeff Buckley just, I feel like he believes it more. Like well, a, that's because, that's because the, you know, we all know what Morrissey believes in and, and, and it ain't that. Um, the big highlight for me was My Body is a Cage, the Peter Gabriel. I thought that was just such a big, big, big track. Big, really good. And I, and I don't know the original. You know, oh, the original's I, awesome. And it's okay. I, li I went and listened to that. Yeah, because I actually, it, it felt like it, it flipped from the um, the original being about almost depression, and then Peter Gabriel was as if it was, he's now got the body of an old man. So it kind of flipped, he's got like, he's got a new meaning. He sold mm. it totally differently. I thought it was just yeah. wonderful. I thought it was brilliant. It was, it, it was good. I, in both of your playlists, in my notes, I've got I've got a little section that says, "Are you mad?" Um, well, I'm not. And 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 I'm and I'm going to say, I don't agree with you on the Nina Simone being better than Frank Frank's version. You're a lunatic. Um, even though it's good, but to be honest, you, you were enjoying those conga drums. They they were like they were like some sort of woodpecker pack panged in into my head that, that so you good. know like <laughs> you know, going away it did, it, it did my head in Beautiful. and i think that that works on like what is it the you know musk what is it funkier than a mosquito what's it called that track it works on that one it, it just pissed me off on this so i didn't like that and bruce springsteen like it's it's a it's not as good as Patty Smith's version that okay even though it's his song originally and he mm -hmm. gave it to her she wrote she wrote the lyrics he then changed the lyrics slightly and rewrote them it's not as good he doesn't sing it as he's he, not as he doesn't sing it as well he's he's almost like it he he doesn't have it doesn't have the passion of it's not as urgent, is it? There's no urgency to his no. version, which it's just got its own charm, but it's not the same. Yeah, I found. Yeah, yeah I, I went with the charm. I I liked the charm to it. 
I think as well, sort of like if you listen, if you listen to Bruce Springsteen, he is, you know, when he sings, he's, he's passionate about the songs that he's singing, even, you know, 40 years later, um, you know, when he's, when he's performing them. I don't think on that, that version, he can be asked. You know what I mean? He's just, he just think it's almost like he's sort of, rocked up and said, oh, you remember that song that we binned ages ago and Patti Smith made really good? Why don't we just do that for a laugh? You know what I mean? So they were they, they were the, you know, are you mad section. But, um, yeah, I thought it had a good flow, but then I realised that you were six minutes short and I thought, hmm, what's going on here? But also, respect... Is a is a great opening song, isn't mm-hmm. it? Oh yeah, just bang straight in. Straight no in. Good, but yeah, I enjoyed it. Thank you very much. A little bit depressing in places, but you know what That's do you what expect? I do. It's what I did. Carl, what do you think? Uh, yeah, I thought it, I thought it was really interesting. I really enjoyed it as well. Um, I think what you've got here is it. Whereas, like Tim was maybe subconsciously searching for these kind of definitive versions, you know. Mm. Um, I think you've been searching for things where maybe uh, a songwriter or, or a particularly creative artist sort of alters things in such a way as to make them into something else, you know. So I think we've mm. got, um, you know, like with the Bobby Womack, he completely changes that song. It doesn't do very, it doesn't do it massively differently, but he he's obviously a songwriter in his own right. And I think he finds the song that almost the mamas and papas couldn't find in their own song, you yes. know? And yes. I think that repeats well, like all the Hendrix, through. Like, just like with Hendrix. With the, Hen- the Hendrix exactly. is obviously yeah. the, 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 the sort of, the, the, the key um, example of that, but also, you know, Johnny Cash, you know, Johnny Cash, Peter Gabriel, Nina Simone, Nirvana, you know, the, the final four song, I think all did that to a T that they went in and they mm. found a song that wasn't necessarily there in the original. Um, you know, um, and obviously Jimi Hendrix made, you know, one of the greatest, you know, singles of all time out of almost a throwaway Dylan song. But I mean, um, so I think you've, you've got like various, I think sometimes it really works. Bobby Womack, Aretha Franklin, you know, you know, she's a particularly creative, vo- I know she's predominantly a vocalist, but I think she's particularly uh, adept at finding things in songs that weren't necessarily there. Um, and I think she completely changed, like we've said, um, her version of respect is miles better. There's so much more to it um, than the yeah. original. Um, you know, there's Bobby Womack. I think they work. I'll agree with Tim that I, I don't think the Bruce Springsteen works as well because I think there's, I think it's the urgency for me that, you know, the, the Patti Smith version seems on the front foot, whereas it seems on the back foot. I don't think there's one's right and one's wrong, but um, I think that's the difference. Maybe that's what he was trying to do. You know, maybe he, was, he wanted to make it different and, and it certainly is different. It's a different song. I don't know if it's a better one. The, the, the one, but I mean, again, this is like, obviously this is like cover versions from Bill's Crying Corner. So, which is, you know, it's it's a place I have to visit often. Um, it's <laughs> it's not, you know, there isn't Carl's Crying Corner. Um, but, um, and when I go there, I often have a great time. Right, you know, I'm just going to establish that. So, and obviously Bill Fay is a guy I, I, I really like. 
But this song, you know, Bill Fay is, as far as I'm concerned, he's a genius. And he's gone in to, um, it, it's maybe, uh, uh, maybe it, it's a song that's tinged with sadness, but he's gone in and extracted every sad thought <laughs> that was in that song yeah. and just put it to the fore. And I think the thing I liked about the original, the Wilco version, is the fact that it's such a happy song about maybe, you know, not such happy material, but it, it just, it, may, it allows you to think about maybe sad things, but while you're tapping your foot, this version doesn't allow you to tap your foot. It allows you to maybe prepare a noose, you know, while you're listening to it. So, but I, I totally get why you would think that this was the better version because you're like, ah, he's nailed it. He's found the thing that I like about the song. So, you know, I, I, to I totally get it. But for me, it's like, oh, no, it's that's too much. You know, it's, he's, he's found it too was, much. It of is a song. very sad version. It's a very sad version. The uh, the, the real, the thing that, that blew my mind was the uh, the Grace for, the Grace Ro uh, Grace Jones version of La Vie en Rose, where it starts, and I, <laughs> it was in the kitchen the other week, um, and uh, I, I played it like one of the first things are like oh that sounds interesting i'll just skip straight to that let's play that and i just i remember saying oh my god no <laughs> i thought this is going to be the worst and everyone says well this is going to be the worst how long of the rest of my life it's like the worst seven and a half minutes of my life yeah, you it's know not a, it's not a quick number um but but it isn't uh, at all i mean when you when you hear the the guy just sort of switch on the casio select bossa nova <laughs> and then go to clav you know and just and then she just goes for it and you just think oh this is just throw away what are they doing here but um i i think it was it was probably my favorite um track on the list because it just it just blows your socks off towards the end you just think is this the same thing still going Do you know what I mean she's just she's just singing it more it was as if the guy was there just going Grace <laughs> just give it more just blow this clavicle out the, out the water do you know what I mean we won't be able to hear the bossa nova if you sing enough and she does and no, she just and actually no because the sound engineer make sure it's still there <laughs> it's still there all the way through it doesn't stop yeah and somehow they replace the batteries halfway through yeah um and it is it is it is brilliant and i think one of the interesting things about that is it may i don't know whether you i think you start off laughing at it almost but by the end by the sort of middle of it you're laughing with it and then by the end you're just loving it on its own terms mm. you know it just sort of wins you over um so yeah i really i really enjoyed that um i think um, again, you know, Phoebe Bridges, we've talked about, that is obviously a better version because you can hear the words. Um, Bingo. But um, I, I couldn't. I mean, if we start saying that, you know, people can perform Tom Waits better than Tom Waits, we'll have Rod Stewart up before we know it, and that, that <laughs> might be. I mean, I nearly went there. Trust me, I nearly went there. But, you know, we... Um, <laughs> um, but, yeah, and then other ones we've talked about, Jeff Buckley, I, I loved that. I, in fact, that's not even, I wasn't actually aware of that version of, uh, of that song. But um, I think Jeff Buckley, again, is one of these guys who, like with famously Hallelujah, of course, you know, he went in and he's got several on, um, on um, his first album. He has several songs of cover versions, aren't they? And, you know, mm -hmm. it, but, yeah, but yeah, each... Nearly half the album's covers. Right, yeah. yeah. But each time... They're a Jeff Buckley song, aren't they? He makes them his own. Yeah, Lilac Wine yeah. was on was originally on my list, for example. Right, yeah. Yeah. Was is that yeah. a Nancy Sinatra song originally? I can't yeah. remember offhand. It's in my notes somewhere. Yeah. But, but yeah, that was on my list for But, but now it's a Jeff Buckley song. Nina Simone. 
Oh, it might be. I'm, I'm going to have yeah. to look. She's definitely done a version. She's of it, definitely yeah. done like the one. Yeah. So you know, well, I think I think I think with the Buckley <clears throat> and Hallelujah, I did. I wasn't aware of this. I I, I put everything squarely down to him, but. Apparently, in the early nineties, John John Cage did a version of um, "Alleluia," and it was Jeff Buckley that then took that that version and tweaked it. Um, you know, it's a much like I think John Cage found found the song, and Jeff Buckley the then original one's garbage. Mm. The original recording yeah. of Leonard Cohen, it's just not very well, good. Well, I remember enough. I remember seeing Leonard Cohen um perform it and he performs it like you, you know, it's more like the uh, the Jeff Buckley version than the original version that he did. And I think he then did another recording in a subsequent album, a much later album. Um and it does almost pull it together a little bit, but it's just still not as good. No. It just feels like there's feels like he's covering it. It doesn't feel like his song anymore. Yeah, yeah. It's so far removed. But it's only like when Dylan Dylan does all along the Watchtower, just like Hendrix. Like Hendrix now, yeah. And it and it doesn't feel like his song. No, no. No, that's right. Um but that's because uh Bob Dylan is a terrible performer. And when he's <laughs> if he's if he has to sing anything fast, I mean, you know, it's like do you know what I mean? It's just it's just awful, you know. So it's like Bob just, you know. <laughs> Sit down, <laughs> get the piano out, stop, stop trying to rock out. Um, but, um, but yeah, yeah, no, I think I think that's I think that's fair that um, you know that uh, you know Jeff Buckley is one of these guys who will find a definitive version, you know, and yeah, Hallelujah, he's, he's stolen it totally. Um, but yeah, and the, the Peter Gabriel as well, I have to say, I thought that was an inspired choice that I wasn't aware of. But that um, mm. blew my soul again. Didn't know another one that didn't know the original, so I had to go listen to the original. And I was like, "Oh yeah!" But now um, it sounds like Arcade Fire doing a really poor cover of that awesome Peter Gabriel song. <laughs> 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 uh, so yeah, I uh, I enjoyed it. It, it yeah, my uh, my expectations were completely uh, flabbergasted by some of it. So no, I enjoyed that. Your playlist, take us through it. My list. So, okay, so my list, although I'm, <clears throat> I enjoyed it and I'm pleased with it uh, now, it is kind of um, a failure um, because it wasn't what I was trying to do. So the idea was, so it was called uh, Faux Train Coming because I'm trying to name all my playlists this season. Um, after Bob Dylan albums. So <laughs> once I'd settled that it was going to be faux train coming, um, I wanted to make, I was just, I just said absentmindedly to my wife, you know, you could, because lots of these artists um, have been covered and have covered other people. And I just said, oh, you know, it would technically be possible just to make a list where everyone who was covered, uh, every artist was then covered in the subsequent song or, you know, or one way around or the other, it was possible to do. And I thought, well, what? I'll just do that, thinking it's a doddle. So that's where I started. But um, there was just a couple of tracks that I really wanted to include that were just impossible because no one has ever covered those artists. So I couldn't do it. So originally 
I had um, like uh, all along the watchtower at the beginning and it was either going to be ending with Bob Dylan or ending with Stevie Ray Vaughan to like close a loop and it was going to be a loop of people who are either one way or the other had either covered the person either before or in front of them something like that and so I've got these little snippets where there are these chains but obviously from the at the beginning of the playlist you can't see that um and it was and the, the one track I actually wanted in that I couldn't I couldn't find anyone uh, it was the cat power so I decided to put that first just because that was the downfall of my sort of grand plan um, because I like that track. Well, I like the whole album by Cat Power, but th- that track in particular, I really love. I, I know um, she's just released a, another version, another album of cover versions, hasn't she, that hasn't been particularly well-reviewed, I think. Yeah. Um, I think and I haven't heard it yet. I artist anyway, especially album to album. But sometimes you can bring out an album mm. that's just fabulous. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Absolutely flawless. Then the following one, you're like, this is not the same person. What is this about? No. But her other covers albums have been really good. Like Jukebox, I think, is easily the best one. But the the, the other one, the, the covers record, is also a really good record as well. So um, I'd be surprised if she if she'd actually made a mess of the covers record. But um, anyway, we'll we'll wait and see on that one. But uh, so that that was one track. And then once I'd broken the spell of having to do the faux train, um, I, I was free then, and I just thought, well what's the best cover version of all time? Uh, it's probably Alien Ant Farm doing Smooth Criminal, isn't it? So, so I stuck that in just because um, I, I think they now, <clears throat> in terms of a definitive version, I think they probably own that song now. That I'm not sure if particularly is... many more on the Are You Mad list by Tim and from your list <laughs> well, than was mine. I, I think like um, the, it's, this is obviously tremendous fun, but also um, it's uh, you know Michael Jackson's now been sent down as a nonce posthumously, so um, they can't ever play his version ever again. So they may as well play this one, which is better anyway. So I thought you were separating the artist. Yeah, oh no, I do. I'm just saying radio stations just won't touch MJ with a barge pole now, will they? But presumably they can play Alien Ant Farm. Unless their lead singer's been sent down as a nonce as well, which might might have happened. I don't know. You don't see him in the news, do you? Maybe you have to ask yourself why they don't play Alien Ant Farm. Is it because it's crap? <laughs> I like it. I like it. Um, people can make their own minds up. Um, then um, uh, a bit of fun. Um, Silicon Teens, um, which are, <laughs> I really like the Silicon Teens uh, Music for Parties album. Um, because it's it's just so mad, but it was um, uh, I might get this story wrong, but, but basically the story goes something like this guy um, like drew uh, to look cool. He sort of designed an album and a band that he could like carry around a record sleeve or, or like he could carry around a cassette saying, "Have you heard of Silicon Teens?" Just so that people go no, because no one had because he made them up. But then eventually he had to do the music because people wanted to hear them. Um, so I think that's that's more or less the story. So they're kind of a completely fictional band. He painted himself into a corner with that situation. And then he had to record an album. And so the album is obviously just a guy on a keyboard, um, just like uh, doing covers of, you know, basically sort of um, 
old rock and roll numbers, a couple of rock, rockabilly type things. And, uh, and but I, I think they're, I think they've got a real charm. And uh, I think you know, particularly like for the for, for the sort of early eighties, I, I just I just think they're a wonderful sort of capsule in in time of what what was possible at the height of technology in nineteen whatever eighty two. Um, then uh, just like a cover version I like is um, Godzilla by Fu Manchu. Um, easily better than the original. In fact, I thought it was their song for years until mm. the one of the Godzilla films came out and they had a cover of it by, I think, I can't remember who. It was someone unexpected. Blue Oyster Cult. No, no, but I mean, there was a cover at the end of the Godzilla film by oh, someone else. And I was like, oh, they've totally ruined the, the, that Fu Manchu song. But then when I looked into it, or when the credits rolled, it's like, it's not a Fu Manchu song. They weren't men- mentioned, but... Um, I think, well, I think it's actually, is it not, um, is it Blue Oyster Cult? I thought it was Deep Purple. Blue Oyster. Is it Blue Oyster Cult? I've got colours mixed up. I don't know, that's the one that I found. Oh, okay. Blue Oyster Cult. Oh, okay, cool. Um, But yeah, I mean, loads of people have done it, but I think that's that's my version, that's the version I like. Um, And then then we're into the bit of um, uh, some sort of remnants from my earlier idea. So I had... Billy Bragg, because he's an artist who's done lots of covers and he's been covered. So, um, and his version of Tracks of My Tears, I really like. Um, so that's there. Uh, Bette Midler, The Divine Miss M. Um, everyone knows that I love Bette Midler. This is the song that got me into Bette Midler, basically. So it's a Carpenter's song. So it's, you know, it's um, double macho. <laughs> it's Bette Midler doing a Carpenter's song. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, but I, I think she does it. Um, actually, the, I think the Carpenter's version is actually a, a cover as well. But they obviously made, yeah. it, made it the most Isn't famous. It the, who did it first? It was the... Hang on. I know this one. Because the, the serial killer always left it on in the car, didn't they? Delaney the, and Bonnie. That's right. That's right. It was called Groupie Groupie. Brackets Superstar. Superstar. That's right. But the the Carpenters obviously are responsible for the more familiar Mm. version that we have. Um, But I think Bette Midler just sings the crap out of it. Um, And then uh, then I've got my little sort of, this is my remnant. This is my sort of, this is the the faux train um, where I've got Aerosmith doing a clumsy version of the Beatles but, you know, just infinitely more energy, so it's better. Then the Beatles doing the Isley Brothers, Twist and Shout, uh, which is now the Beatles own that song, right? That's like a Beatles song now. Then probably the greatest cover version of all time, the Isley Brothers doing um, Crosby, Stills, Nash & Young, Ohio. And then Crosby, Stills, Nash & Young doing um, uh, Woodstock by... um, Joni Mitchell. Joni Mitchell. Um, but that's where I ran out because Joni Mitchell, although she has done an album of covers, they're all covers of like 30s vaudeville acts. So that would have been a dead end anyway. So, and I couldn't find anything. So then I did Prince covering Joni Mitchell as well. And I thought I could have that in the middle where the two things met and then they'd move apart again. Um, but then it turns out that uh, anyone who covers Prince just does an inferior job because. Prince is, you know, uh, incredible and no one can touch him. So I had to forget all that again. Um, so then I went to back to other, um, I had other um, sort of remnants. Uh, there was a time when the whole playlist was going to be, obviously, covers of Bob Dylan songs. And then there was another time when it was going to be 
all Rolling Stones covers, because I think, as we've said, we said tonight, we've also said previously, almost everyone does Rolling Stones, Rolling Stones songs better than the Rolling Stones themselves do them, which turns out is, is true. Loads of people do really good covers. You know, every, almost everyone does them better. Um, and But I particularly like the Devo version of uh, Satisfaction because it sounds almost nothing like the original, but you know it's the original. You know it's, you know it's a cover of the original, you know. Um, the song's there, but it just sounds nothing like it, which I enjoy. Um, I can't believe the Pet Shop Boys didn't feature anywhere else. I mean, I know it's Willie Nelson, um, Willie Nelson, but I mean, come on, that's surely that's that's the best version of that song, right? Better than Elvis's. Oh, this. Oh. Uh, well, well, not for me. Not for me. It is good. I, I like. I like it, but no, no, no. I. I it works. I'm just not sure. Yeah, oh, it was sure. actually the BBC did a poll mm. um, a while ago, and it did come out as the top uh, cover. Yeah, there you go. Song, and I, th- I think they do own it now as well because when that those um, sort of chords stab in, like da 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 da, da yeah, everyone yeah. knows what the song is, and you know you. It's a dance floor filler, isn't it? A, a wedding or a bar mitzvah or whatever. How many bar mitzvahs have you been to? Well, no, I mean, just assume they dance, do they? <laughs> probably. Yes, yeah, just a party, isn't it? And then probably, again, probably the greatest cover version of all time, um, Wild is the Wind uh, by David Bowie, which I think is um, essentially, he takes a Nina Simone song about, you know, love. Not a Nina Simone song, was she a... Was she covering it as well? Johnny Mathis. Oh, Johnny Mathis, right. The first, first version of it. Well, I think he's covering the Nina Simone version. I think it was the Nina Simone version that he'd heard. Well, yeah, probably, because the Johnny Mathis version's terrible. Right. <laughs> but then David Bowie does it as if he's like Dracula and he's like stalking his prey around a castle or something. It's just, it's, you know, he does this really weird, you know, as if he's creeping up on some victim. I just love it anyway and that's one of those tracks where I can just listen to it 15 times like in a row <laughs> just like hear something different every time um, then Ben Folds Tiny Dancer I think he probably nailed that I'm not saying it's it's, ne- it's not better than Elton John maybe but it's just it's a really nice version and it's the version that I think of when I hear the song whenever I hear the Elton John version I'm like oh what happened to the that diddly diddly piano bit it's like oh no that, I'm thinking of Ben Folds um, so maybe in in my mind at least it's supplanted Elton John's version. Um, that again another remnant from when all the songs were going to be Rolling Stones songs. Um, Towns Van Sant totally destroying um, the Stones with uh, his version of Dead Flowers, um, and then uh, another song that I couldn't find a what it was in the the faux train because it's a it's Bob Dylan doing a cover but doing a good job of it. And normally when he does covers, he does a terrible job. And so this is just, just a song that Bob Dylan did as a cover that was actually decent. The only problem is it's like, it's originally by, you know, some just some folk guy. I think his name's Eric something or other, whoever it is, Eric Schultz or whatever. Um, and of course that guy um, has never been covered or covered anybody else. And in actual fact, has recorded very little. And in actual fact, I don't think he even has a version on Spotify of that song recorded. Um, and in actual fact, Spotify credits that song to Bob Dylan. So um, because Bob Dylan did record it, I think he recorded it first, but obviously it's, it's, a, it's a folk song. 
Um, but that's the only reason that's there. But then I start another little faux train because then I have the Jimi Hendrix covering Bob Dylan and then I have Stevie Ray Vaughan covering Jimi Hendrix. Um, and I think in both of those versions, I think Jimi Hendrix um, creates the definitive version of um, Bob Dylan's All Along the Watchtower, as I think we'll all agree. And Stevie Ray Vaughan does completely the definitive version of the Jimi Hendrix song, Little Wing. Um, but then, of course, Stevie Ray Vaughan has never been covered by anyone, really. And in actual fact, he's mainly famous now as an interpreter of Hendrix songs. So um, it's not exactly, uh, you know, world altering to say that kind of thing. But, um, but yeah, so that was why I ended up with where I was. But, uh, you know, I'm perfectly prepared to be escorted to the uh, Are You Mad corner of some of those selections, but I thought it was a fun list anyway. I spotted what you tried to do. I, I, I remember you saying that you were struggling to get it to work. Mm. And um, right, I think what he's doing is they've covered them. Blah, 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 blah. You were doing the chain, basically. I was doing you? the chain. Yeah, yeah. The chain. Um, and it's a shame it didn't work out it because is. that's a really, really good idea for, for, for a playlist. And so I'll get, I'll get on to stuff. The stuff that I liked, I liked the Bob Dylan. You know, I've heard that song before. Again, I wasn't, you know, who would be aware that that was a cover? The Towns Van Zandt, obviously, so much better than um, than the Rolling Stones version. Infinitely. Is that infinitely better. Was that at the beginning of Big Lebowski? No, it's the Man end. Me was, yeah, it's the end. It's the end of uh, Big Lebowski, yeah, that's right. It's it's I remember it off the uh, off the soundtrack, mm. the Ben Folds. I was never really big into Ben Folds Five, but I remember a friend of ours introducing me. He, he bought that album, the live. Is it recorded in Newport or something like that? That's right. Yeah, I think it's he called Ben Folds Live, isn't it? Ben Folds Live. That's it. He bought that and. It came with a DVD, didn't it, of the performance, and and we'd watch the DVD, and that's right. all the way through. You know, I was just blown away by the lyrics, you know, and and sort of like the piano playing. And I think, you know, in some ways, he has got that sort of flamboyance of Elton John, hasn't he? Yeah. So it was a, it was nice to have that, you know, that cover on the on the thing. I've always I've always thought of his version as being a better version, like you obviously did. Yeah. And I think um but there's something there's something about it. Like I was kind of I was kind of listening to it the other day. And obviously the Elton John version has got like has got all the orchestration um you you know arrangement behind you know soundtrack but obviously they've done faith as well haven't they in that version of it. Um so I think it's kind of Although Smooth Criminal is a good cover, and I remember enjoying it at the time, it's kind of tinged for me with that whole genre of rock, you know, that offshoot of rock music, which, you know, at the time we all enjoyed, but I think 
we're probably a little bit embarrassed about enjoying it now. Oh, uh, I don't get embarrassed, obviously. Um, but, <laughs> but yeah, you should be embarrassed. Should be embarrassed. Yeah. Not the embarrasser, uh, not the embarrassing. Yeah, I, I don't. Mm. I don't think it's uh, cool or anything like that. But um, I think I, I was trying to capture that very thing. I was trying to capture that period in time when cover versions did this particular thing. Like there was a cover version yeah. by a uh, really sort of throwaway uh, new metal band every week. And um, you never heard from them again. And yeah. they really weren't very good. And yet, every single week, you'd go to the Students' Union and that would be playing. And everyone was acting, losing their minds like the Beatles had just walked on stage. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> like it was the greatest thing that ever happened. Because you're right, there was this naff thing where, oh my God, have you heard this? It's a naff song from the 80s, but done by a naff band now. And that's amazing <laughs> for some reason, you know. Um, so Yeah, did anybody else, did anybody ever listen to Alien Hunt Farms other stuff? Because I couldn't. No. I probably I probably heard well, they, they had like they had the stuff. other single the follow-up uh, single move movies. And that was all right, yeah. but it it was only it was only off the back of the smooth criminal, really, that they mm. that that anyone paid any attention to it. Yeah. But um, yeah, so I wasn't a big fan of that. Um, but did you enjoy the nostalgia? That's what it's really yeah, there for. Kind of, I suppose. Yeah, maybe, maybe. Okay, I'll let that one slide. Uh, let's dance, though. That's terrible, isn't it? You know, it, it isn't. It isn't very good, let's be honest. To be honest, the original's not very good, and that's not much better. I would rather have Frank Sidebottom doing that. Yeah. Because it was nearly like a Frank Sidebottom. Yeah. And it would have been fucking miles There better. you go. There you go. And again, the, the Devo, the satisfaction, you know, it, it wasn't... It was good, but I don't know. Even but that, They find know, that groove, though. Yeah, yeah. I just like that groove they find in that song, you know. Yeah, maybe. Uh, I, 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 I wasn't a big fan. And Helter Skelter, mm. like clumsy, I, clumsy version. I'll give you that. Yeah, I like. I listen. I listen to the Beatles version, and I was listening to it, and I was like thinking, this is heavy as fuck. Yeah, you know. And, and like, I was, you know, I had this sort of like realization in my head. I was like, think Paul McCartney invented heavy metal. <laughs> I don't think that's true. Are you mad? Oh. Are you, you've put yourself in your own yeah, corner. Yeah, I think you put yourself in no, your own corner. No, but sort of like, if you listen to Helter Skelter, it is, it is the loudest, heaviest song the Beatles ever did. Mm. And it's, it's unbelievable. Sort of, I, I was listening to it and thinking, God, maybe I've been wrong about Paul McCartney over, over, over all these years but then you know luckily i woke up and pinched myself um i do think that helter skelter is such a good song and the beatles version is you know surely there's a reason charles manson listened to it backwards uh, and and killed all those people i mean i'm not saying it was paul mccartney's fault but it kind um, of was it kind of was at the same time Definitely. Geezer Butler and uh, Tony Iommi were definitely listening to that thinking, yeah, I'm going to have a piece of that. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. 
It must. It must be. But that, that's what I thought. And, you know, Aerosmith's version, yeah, like you say, it's a bit clumsy. I, would I quite say. liked it. I thought it had a bit it of It was a, okay. It was okay. It was like a garage rock element to yeah. it, I thought. I, I, think... it, I mean, it was down as an outtake anyway. It, was, it wasn't the finished article, mm-hmm. but it felt like that they... They they really enjoyed themselves. I thought. I, I think I had a good time listening to it. I really. Yeah, liked cool. It. I, yeah, but I think similarly as a, as a sort of band from the seventies, that was probably the sort of like you know the turning point for them in sort of like musically. That sort of like sort of, hang on, we could we could do songs like Helter Skelter by. And I felt like it by the Beatles. To, like I'm not an Aerosmith fan by any stretch of the imagination, but I felt like. The, the song even suited Steven Tyler's voice. It was really there. He really yeah. went for it. You could imagine oh, yeah. him on stage singing it. No, it's better. It's 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 a better vocal delivery than a Paul McCartney. But to be honest, you know, a, a a Datsun in a in a sleeping bag could do a better job than than Paul McCartney. Datsun. Well, really showing our ages now, Tim. You know, Datsun. Well, I think that song as well for me. It's like there was a time when that was like like a hidden gem for uh, Aerosmith fans. It comes on like, it came out with this sort of box set in the early 90s. But I think it was like, it was their warm-up piece and they often did it, like it was often a live track, but it was their sort of encore and their sound check was, they they did Helter Skelter. So to get a version of it, you know, it was like, it was something that was sought after. So when that came out on that box set, it was like, oh my God. There's Helter Skelter, so it has a nostalgia for me as well. But yeah, I think it yeah, is a good version. Enough. But no, it is a good version. But I just don't. I'd like. I. I. It probably made me appreciate the um, the Beatles version yeah. more. It, I, I they are think. heavier than you think. That 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 album they in particular are, yeah. is a really heavy album. And the last thing that I'm going to sort of talk about is the Prince cover of. Joni Mitchell and I listened to that and I thought yeah that's better than Joni Mitchell's version but then I played them both well I played the Prince version to 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 my partner Laura and she was listening to it and she she was like no way is that better I was like why not and she was like, "This fucking woman because... every week has a gut. Like, have you noticed this no. pattern? She's riding my case every single week. Just can't win." But her reasons for saying that, I think, are sound. And I, you know, I'll, I'll back her up here. Is that it's it's Prince doing it? He's made the song too sexy, and it's not a sexy song. True, and that. You know, Prince could make a cover box sexy. Exactly. Matter. But that's the thing. And I think you know, she said, you know, Prince is obviously she's he's like a boys artist. You know, it's not, and and it and it's purely because of that. And I think, you know, the songs about loving, apparently about loving someone who's a pain in the ass. You know, I could drink a case of you and still stand up. You know, it's not. The way that Prince is singing it, you right? Know? Yeah, yeah. In which, you know, it, it's it's like. So that was the only thing I think. I think I've changed my mind on that because I think, yeah, it's not a sexy song. I think that's fair. But there you go. Uh, but yeah, I enjoyed it. 
apart from the sort of like mad moments. I, I wish I wish I could have seen the full, you know, faux train. Yeah. Running. Yeah, that would have been nice. But next time. Next time. One of these days. Um, I really like the cat power. That Rhodes organ just sells it, just funks it along. The flashback of Smooth Criminal, I see where you're going from. I, I agree with Tim, though. It's just shit, isn't it? <laughs> um, yeah, Let's Dance. I don't like the original. And this version's silly. And I literally put Frank side bottom. Well, it would Frank side bottom would have done a better. I, I really, like really would have. I really it. recommend that album, Music for Parties, because it's it's so much fun and and quite the it's quite the sought after. Um, you'd have to pay a lot of money, okay. I think, to get like a an old pressing of it. I'll get some Frank side bottom. Um, Godzilla, I liked it, but I like that kind of stoner rock. I'm I'm into that kind of thing. Tracks of My Tears, you must be fucking mad. That's nowhere better than Smokey Robinson. Well, no, no it's I not. didn't even mention no that. Chance. I, I, I think it's it's a garbage pub sing along. No, version. no, it's better. There's anything that. that I fucking hate is pub sing along. No, version. this was on there. So this was, it was part of the faux train, obviously. But I mean, it was part of uh, an attempt to try and find that thing where it was like about hearing the love that someone has for a song when they're singing it. And I think you can hear that Billy Bragg really loves the song he's singing, you know, even though it's yeah. just him and a guitar and he's just noodling away and it's just, you know, it's, it's throwaway. It's, you know, it's an outtake or whatever. Um, yeah. No, I just... But he loves that song and you can hear that. I'm not saying yeah. it's better than Smokey Robinson, but, you know. Yeah. Would you but have followed you... that up with Kids of America? Um, no. It... Uh, not Kids of America. What is it? What is it? New England yeah. was going to be the... New England. Yeah, England. yeah. Um, but that, that that was tricky as well, because um, Kirsty McCall hasn't been covered, and so which way around you do? Oh, it's just fraught with fraught with. Well, surely she's been. Covered. Yeah, but you 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 Lots yeah, but you're going into you end up in a in a in a dead end because who's covered her? Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, a a, yeah. a third tier artist who's covered them? Oh God, right. And before you know it, you, yeah, then you're in a you're problem, in a problem. Yeah. 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 Uh, superstar, that was the one that I connected with way more than I probably should have done. <laughs> and it just, just fucking, just blew me away every time. Like, that was good. She, she just sold that song to me. Um, yeah, Helter Skelter, I really liked it. I did, I did. Um, Trisha Show, Ohio, All Solid, Woodstock again. Um, then Prince. With his vocal and his flicking between his falsetto and his tenor voice, it's just beautiful, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, it's great. Gorgeous. And then too sexy. Uh, sa- too sexy. Too sexy. It doesn't. Too sexy. It, it's just it is what it is, and I I just I thought it was a beautiful performance, no matter what you think about his performances of the the roots of the song. It's a beautiful performance. Um, satisfaction, no. No, like I like Devo, I do, but that isn't that isn't better than the original. Oh come on, the Stones are garbage. We've established that time and time again. <laughs> they can't even yeah, sing their own songs well. I think, <laughs> I think, yeah, you're not wrong. But I think my problem with Devo is that they're one of those bands who I really appreciate and I really enjoy, but only for like 25 minutes at a time. I can't get any further in than that. 
because it just kind of another one of those bands where it all just merges mm. and you can tell that this one is a, a massive tongue-in-cheek cover they've done it just because they can yeah in their own unique style um let's have a look wild as the wind i fucking loved i i just thought there was just something about it. there was yeah it was like bowie does musical theater mm. he was just he was this performer on stage Tiny Dancer, I literally put Shag. I should have used this. Hans um, <laughs> Sam, loved it. Uh, Baby Let Me Follow, awesome. Hendrix, obviously. And then Little Wing, really liked. But yeah, apart from, obviously, parts where you've deviated into your little uh, novelty. Well, not novelty. They are novelty. Nostalgia piece. Yeah, yeah it, novelty and all nostalgia yeah. Yeah, I, I did enjoy it, but there were a couple of points where I'm just like, I know what you've done. Mm. I'm just not sold on it. <laughs> uh, but, but both playlists were, were perfectly listenable. I did enjoy them. Cool. Perfectly listenable. There's a, there's a glowing uh, uh, put, there. Put that on the poster. Yeah. 3.5 stars. Perfectly <laughs> listenable. <laughs> now we're going to assign ourselves to the golden shuffle but obviously point of business we have finally after an infinite amount of time about a year i think we have mm. yeah yeah easy i don't remember when the last one was um we six we, we had like two food and drink it, food and drink food and drink coconut. and um what is it thingy um samples chai lights oh that's right chai yeah lights. are you my woman mm. right so that was episode eight yeah i think so seven, seven. all right it will have been a year probably yeah yeah give or take yeah goodness me uh anyway time for the jingle First one for a year or so goes to All Along the Watchtower by Jimi Hendrix. Which probably is. Obviously, we need. I, I know we've been joking about it. It probably is the greatest cover version of all time. Yes. Probably one of the greatest cover Absolutely. versions of all time. And, 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 I, and I think you've said it before. Um, we'd, we'd be would be idiots if this didn't appear on all three of our playlists. Yeah. Mm. I, I don't think I don't think for a second it was never even it was always there. came into my head that it would that I'd drop it. Yeah. Like you couldn't. I think it was probably the cornerstone of Carl's ludicrous conspiracy theory style yeah. Yeah. idea. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah, and it is just just goes to show though, doesn't it? It's not easy creating a golden banger. Took a long time. Took a long time. But we've had some wild playlist though as well in the meantime well let's see if we get any more yeah right carl right 
your selection, please, for the Golden Shuffle this time. Um, okay, right. So, uh, on my shortlist, uh, to be honest, I could go for half of these. Um, but the, the ones that I found really interesting, well, really, really cool, was um, the Baby Charles, um, the, the Jaws <laughs> um, cover. Uh, I still don't believe it's cover. Um, and uh, Matt Berry doing World in Action uh, was just immense. Um, tons of fun. Um, and then from Bill's list, I've got Bobby Womack, uh, which I thought was uh, immense. I've got the Grace Jones, which changed my life. Um, and I've got the Peter Gabriel, uh, which... Um, I just thought it was epic. Um, I think on. I think I'm going to go with Matt Berry, World in Action, because I don't think Bill would put that on. Mad. I, ne- I would I did, never I have like thought that, that that would end up. I, I just loved it so much. It's it's just so much fun. Um, I mean, so the, good. The, the same could be said of the Grace Jones, but. Um, but yeah, that that was more unexpected. Um, yeah, so the song that I in, enjoyed the most this week was probably Fu Manchu and Godzilla. Oh, I was I was a big fan of that, and I and I think I've heard that before. It's obviously the definitive version. It's just a big, lovely stoner rock tune. Loved it. So, An yeah. underrepresented genre as well. Yeah. On the Golden mm. Shuffle. So there we go. And I, I enjoyed so much. I'm literally torn between Proud Mary and Superstar. You've got Bette Midler, you've got Tina Turner, they're going to go toe-to-toe. I don't know who'd win. Um, There's only one way to find out. I think Proud Mary could come up again, but I really don't think that Superstar... <laughs> could do so i'm gonna go with Bette midler cool yeah that means i don't get to put it on any other playlist right so <laughs> i was gonna keep putting it on until someone stuck it up the golden shuffle so that's that's a job saved right so it's time to choose the next topic bill is the wheel ready armed and ready to steal okay Go. Okay, it's spinning. It is spinning. And it is slowly ticking down to three chords and the truth about Japan. So we are going to go off and create playlists just with music from Japan and Japanese artists. What does the three chords and the truth mean? That was because I had volunteered an idea about country music, which you both despise, called Three Chords and the Truth. And I think it was you, Tim, who said I'd rather do a country rather than countries. And so then we randomly selected a country, Japan, and then it's Three Chords and the Truth about a country, as opposed to Three Chords and the Truth being what people say country music is. 
So it's so then are we then going to randomise and find another? We'll country? find another country and and leave it on the Steelers' wheel for next time. Yeah, but okay. um, but this was this was a while ago when we we randomly selected the country of Japan. Um, okay. Okay. All right. Well, Japan. Let's go. There's 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 loads there, isn't there? Mm. Surely. Yeah. There's also a band called Japan. I don't want to labour the point, but that that would be eligible. They're a good band. It's not about the country Japan, though, is it? Well, they're named after it. And there's oh, yes, there's the, the Tom Waits song, Big in Japan. Oh, yeah. yeah. Turning Japanese. Turning that, Japanese. Exactly. Yeah, it might even be possible uh, for some crazy guy to come up with a playlist that was <laughs> all about Japan but had no Japanese artists on it at all. Really? But that's It could be possible. I'm not saying... A wild and crazy guy. What would kind do of crazy that? guy would do that? I don't know. I'm not <laughs> going to do that. That would be that would be anti-intellectual, wouldn't it? It would be totally against the enterprise. But I think it is possible. So we reached the end of yet another episode. If you think you could do better, feel free to have a go. Just be sure to check with our publishers beforehand for information on licensing. And if it turns out to be better than this episode, then please make sure the royalties are sent to our numbered Swiss bank account. If you've enjoyed anything that you've heard in our playlist, want to share your thoughts on playlisting or have any suggestions for future themes you'd like us to curate, please email us at nostairwaypodcast at gmail.com. You can tweet us on at no underscore stairway, find us on Facebook or Instagram, or leave a comment on our website, nostairwaypodcast.com. We're middle-aged men. We made some mixtapes. We hope you like them. Goodbye. So we reached the end. Hang on, I'll do that without doing my Jonathan Ross impression. <laughs>